Welcome to episode 185 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Have you ever gone to an event for a few hours or maybe even a few days, and when you get to the end of the event, you realize you didn't meet any of the right people or maybe anyone at all? Did you start to wonder if this event was even worth your time and energy? You made the effort to leave your home and travel to an event. You figured out all the logistics. If you're flying, you even got a plane ticket and booked a place to stay, and then you arrived. But did you really show up? Were you clear about your networking intentions at this event? More than once, you found yourself in one of those vibrant chaotic hallways or bustling reception, unsure who to speak with or how to approach anyone. Can you picture it? The noise level in the room is getting louder as everyone starts clustering together in small, tight groups. You can feel your heart start to beat faster and wonder if it would be heard if there was a momentary lull in the conversation. Your palms are sweaty, and now you're worried about shaking hands. You think to yourself, well, I've survived 10 minutes. Will anyone notice if I leave? You are not alone if you feel this way. We have all felt like outsiders or perhaps even invisible, particularly the first time you've attended a big event and truly didn't know a soul, and no one talked to you for days faced with those tight clusters of people happily chatting, you felt left out, perhaps alone in a crowd. Those shoulder-to-shoulder huddles are nearly impossible to break into, and what leads to you clinging to the edges of the room, feeling like an outsider. If you're in one of those networking circles, a small shift in your body language is a gift you could offer, matching your intention to meet people with how you stand so you're more easily approached. Your challenge this week, watch my TEDx, hate networking, stop bageling, and be the croissant so you know how to shift your body language to make connecting easier. It's less than 10 minutes, but will forever change the way you approach live events. Please, then write a comment on YouTube to help me reach over 100 comments, and then share my message widely with your network so they too can experience this mindset shift and have a better experience at their next event. You'll find my TEDx at robbysamuels.com forward slash TEDx. I can't wait to read your comments and hear what resonated with you. Now, on to this week's interview. Today's guest philosophy is to work with what you got and build as you go along. That philosophy has helped thousands of people graduate from his booked and paid to speak training course, ready to start and build their own speaking businesses transforming their passion project into a paycheck. A nationally known speaker, he has given nearly 1,000 live presentations and has spoken to over half a million people in 47 different states through leadership conferences, conventions, and many other types of events. He is the host of The Speaker Lab, which is a podcast with nearly 300 episodes that focuses on speaker training and interviews with speakers who will help listeners grow their business. His first book, Reality Check is taught in 400 high schools around the country. 
He's also the author of The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Please join me in welcoming Grant Baldwin. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate you uh, letting me hang out with you, man. This will be fun. Grant, thanks for joining us from your office in Nashville. Uh, Pleasure to have you on here. So as you know, this is a show about building strong networks, and the context here is leadership. So tell me, how do you define leadership, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah, leadership has always been one of those things that's been pretty fascinating. In fact, I remember um, in high school, uh, maybe my like sophomore or junior year, and I was in, I think it was like a psychology class, and we were supposed to do a paper. I don't even remember what the paper was supposed to be about, but I asked if I could do the paper on leadership. It was just one of those things that was kind of fascinating, intriguing to me. Uh, and so it's one of those things that I think has always kind of been that case as a as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's, who's trying to make a little dent in the world, that uh, that that leading externally in terms of the people that we that we work with that we serve that we help, but also internally in terms of the uh, our team, our employees, our company. Uh, but even for myself, for our family, uh, leadership shows up in a lot of different ways. And so, uh, as far as definition, I've I've always heard leadership is influence and the ability to get other people um, to. Uh, to follow you and, and, and trust you in a direction that you're leading them. So, um, yeah, I, I love the topic of leadership and, uh, looking, looking forward to this conversation. Well, I, I love that you went all the way back to high school. Sometimes I have to help people kind of sure. dig, dig a little further back. They're like my first job or when I first right, became right. a director and I'm like, what about, so what, a, I mean, this is so curious to me though, Grant, because I don't think many people in like 10th or 11th grade are like leadership is totally a topic. Right. I um, I mean, I did a project on Oliver Wendell Holmes, but I don't think I did it because he was a leader. Do you know what right, I mean? Like right, I was right. like, he was a leader, you know? So yeah. what, like, was there something, were there people in your world that were great leaders? Like, did people tell you you had leadership potential and you were like, what does that even mean? Like, how did you even get to that conversation? Yeah, I, I think it was one of those things I, I recognized early on that um, I had a, uh, an ability to, to lead and influence other people, um, uh, hopefully in a positive way. And But I also know uh, in, uh, in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a big impact in my life. And uh, I know he really believed in me and gave me opportunities to lead and to speak uh, from time to time. And so I, I feel like it was just one of those things that I... Uh, I resonate with that I clicked with. It was something that was fascinating, intriguing to me, and I think it's I think it's important for anyone to kind of look back, like you said, uh, on those things that what are the things that you were naturally drawn toward as you know as a child or as a teenager, and the things that you resonated with, and things that you um, uh, appealed to you that you wanted to do more, that you were fascinated with, uh, and paying attention to those things and how they show up in other areas in your life in the future. And so that's really what my youth pastor was was for me it was very influential in that way, um, and then also gave me opportunities to to lead in various capacities. Yeah, you obviously saw the potential in you. And were, when you got involved, were you already a kid who sort of organized other kids the playground? Were you, you know, were you, uh, I don't know, some kids sell things in school or get kids to all like work on a project? Like, were you that kind of kid? Yeah, I was trying to remember. Um, I remember like from an entrepreneurial standpoint um, that I, I was the one that was mowing lawns throughout the neighborhood, um, which didn't necessarily involve uh, other kids or anything. But one of the things there, I was um, I was fascinated by entrepreneurship and wanting to um, earn a dollar as a kid. And even now as a, as a parent of my wife and I have three daughters. And so uh, helping them understand that uh, one of the things we tell them all the time is that work equals money, and um, if you want something, you gotta you gotta earn it, and you gotta work for it, and you gotta uh, it doesn't just magically happen. And so um, 
Yeah, I can think of um, uh, I can think of times like I remember one time, and this was maybe I think fourth grade, um, that uh, it was during March Madness, which is the NCAA men's basketball tournament, and me and some friends played basketball all the time, and we loved uh, we loved watching these games in this tournament, and a lot of like the the big games in the first few days of the tournament were. Uh, during the day. And so I asked, uh, we convinced uh, our teacher if we could bring in a TV uh, and have lunch in the classroom, which was, you know, as an elementary kid, it was unheard of. You had to go to the lunchroom. You had to, you know, uh, fall in order type thing. And um, uh, we convinced her to, to let us sit in the classroom and watch basketball during lunch. Um, and so, yeah, I think just, um, uh, and I know that even like with friends that uh, I knew I had influence. I knew, um, I knew that that uh, I had opportunities to lead them, and and I could be influential. And I, I played competitive basketball, and so I knew I was a leader on that team. So I knew, like, I mean, just looking look back, there's I think several opportunities and moments that I had, you know, in school and out of school to you know to help uh, hopefully lead others. I love this example about basketball, though, and the and getting the TV into the classroom because you're right. Yeah. Like the fact that you even thought to ask is so right. outside of what's expected of an elementary school student. And I, and I remember it was like, it was like this little, uh, like this little tiny black and white TV um, that I think my, my parents must have had or something. And that makes me sound way older than I actually am. But um, yeah, I just remember we, we, we had this, and it was probably, I mean, this tiny little, maybe 20 inch TV or something and lugged it into the classroom one day so we could watch basketball at lunch. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, you're like a hero to your to, to <laughs> right, your friends, right? right? <laughs> I mean, that's in some ways you had a problem, you had a proposed you proposed a solution, you knew the people you had to convince, you made the campaign, and when you were successful, you executed the plan. Yeah. Like, like that's a good leader right there. <laughs> yes, um, there was not that much thought that went into it at the time. <laughs> I know, right? Just, I, I, I'm a uh, uh, a ten year old who wants to watch basketball with my friends at lunch, and so uh, that was basically the extent of it. But thankfully, it, it worked out. Yeah, that's great. I love it. Uh, so, uh, where did you go after that? Did you go to college? Did you go right to work? Yeah. So um, after high school, I went to uh, I went to a local Bible college actually, and, and again, my youth pastor had a big impact in my life, and and was a great speaker. Um, and so then eventually worked at a local church as a as youth, a youth pastor, and was uh, doing a lot of speaking myself. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was I was good at it. It really resonated, and and you know, speaking is a form of of leadership and influence, and being able to help people um, through various you know, situations or circumstances, personally or professionally. Uh, and so it was one of those things I, I wanted to. Pursue pursue and knew I was decent at, but just didn't know what to do next. And so one of the things I, I, I say a lot is that I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan, meaning that I felt like I was a good speaker. I felt like I was a, you know, okay uh, speaker, but I just needed to figure out like, how do you actually find gigs and book gigs and how much do you charge and who hires speakers? And like, how does this, how does this world work? And so I uh, started stalking a bunch of other speakers, just trying to figure out how do you, how do you do this and how do you uh, become a speaker? And thankfully we figured a few things out and uh, been able to make a career of it. It's so interesting because I can imagine there was a point in your life where you were speaking, but didn't know that that was a profession. Yeah, I would say so. Um, well, and I would say this in, in college, uh, I worked for a guy who was a full-time speaker and, uh, and got to help a little bit on the, uh, on the back end with like logistics and contracts and travel and that sort of thing. And so kind of got a little sense of like, okay, this is a thing. I didn't think it was a real common thing though. Uh, and it was maybe one of those things that, um, 
that you had to have some special skill set or some type of special ability, or um, he had had a he had um, uh, was like the the top national director of of some organization in the past, and so um, I figured like okay, well I'm <laughs> I'm not that, so I don't have the you know the credibility or the um, uh, the resume that would qualify me to be a speaker. Quickly learned like those you don't need those things in order to be a speaker, uh, and so. Yeah, it was it was certainly one of those things that I was interested in, but I just wasn't sure. I just wasn't sure how to how to do it. You know, like I was working with him, and he was doing 50, 60 gigs a year, and I'm like, that doesn't happen overnight. So, and is is like he's getting these emails on a regular basis of people interested in in them hiring him and and that sort of thing, and I'm just like, well, I, like where did that start? How does that happen? You know, and so that was definitely a, a challenge early on. Is just trying to figure that out. Is that Every every speaker, every entrepreneur, everybody starts from zero. You know, so I did my very first gig, and you go from zero to one, and then you go from one to two, and two to ten, and ten to fifty, and so on and so forth. But everybody starts from zero. Nobody is born as this professional and, and expert in any subject or topic or skill set. Um, like everyone starts from the same spot. It was so helpful for you to even know, having had a chance to work for this professional speaker and to see the back end, to see that it was professionalized, that you know. Yeah. And that he was doing 50 years. He was obviously doing well. He was like getting out on the stages so often. Because um, I mean, I went through college and, and high school organizing events yeah. and didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, what kind I'd, of events? Do you remember? Oh, I mean, I would, org- I mean, well, okay. I'll give you an example. When we went for my uh, senior trip down uh-huh. from New York to DC, I, fi- I found out that one of the buses holds 58 adults. So I organized 58 of my friends to be on one bus. Oh, that's cool. Like that's nice. the micro, like I saw yeah. opportunities to organize people and create experiences yeah. everywhere, everywhere. Cool. Like no matter what it was, big or small. Yeah. And, you know, eventually I was running conferences and I was running panels and I was organizing yeah. like teams of people. I didn't, I didn't go into it thinking like, well, clearly I have a job here. Yeah, you know, it yeah. takes something for people to sort of point that out to you. Yeah. Um, but like you said, people start not with the knowledge of how to do. Right. Um, did you go from youth pastor right into speaking, or did you ever have that? I guess I'm gonna call it like nine to five day job experience. Well, yeah. So, um, uh, yes and no. Um, the youth pastor thing, what I would say was probably the, the last like true career thing that I had. Um, because whenever I decided like, okay, I want to be a speaker. Uh, becoming a speaker or starting any type of business is typically not one of those things that, all right, on Friday, you make that decision and like, okay, Monday, I'm all in. I'm a, I'm a full-time speaker. I'm making a living from this. Like, it just doesn't work like that. It just, it takes a minute to get it up and running. And so while I made the decision, I'm like, okay, I want to do this and this is the direction I'm going. Um, I knew it was going to take a little bit to build some of that momentum. So for a little while, I was working a couple of different odd jobs. So I worked for a security company doing like residential um, sales, uh, security sales and security systems, um, which was a 100% commission job. Um, but it gave me a lot of freedom and flexibility with schedule. Uh, I worked for two different restaurants um, as a server um, and really enjoyed that. I worked as a, at, an, at, my, at an Applebee's in college uh, and really enjoyed that. So I was like, I like serving. It's fun. And so I worked at a couple of fine dining restaurants like later in this, this transitional period and made decent money from, from that, which also gave me a lot of freedom and flexibility. Um, I worked for a seminar company doing uh, some seminars for them here.
here and there. Worked for a, a school assembly company doing stuff stuff for them. So it's kind of like this hodgepodge of stuff over like a two year period of, all right, I'm going to build this, this one thing, but it's not going to be an overnight thing. So I'm kind of doing this hodgepodge of stuff. And so as the speaking uh, picked up and my own speaking picked up, then I was, um, I, I quit one of the, the restaurant jobs, or then I quit the security sales job, or then I, I quit uh, the seminar company, and then I quit the school assembly thing. And then it was just all my own stuff. Um, but that, again, that just takes time to build up knowing that like, uh, uh, it's not going to magically happen overnight. So, um, yeah. so yeah, the youth pastor thing was the last, I guess, true career thing that I had. Uh, and then it was kind of a, a hodgepodge worth of stuff in the interim to build up to, to what the speaking business was. I, what I love about this is that you recognize that you needed both time and a little more experience. Yeah. To be, you know, so it sounds like some of your jobs were good money, like working at a fine dining restaurant, but not necessarily giving you time on a stage. Although I always yeah. thought of, of, uh, I, I loved waiting tables and I saw it. I, as did very, too, yeah. I thought it was very performative. Like, yeah, yeah. There's know? certainly an element to it. Um, <laughs> I mean, to me, it was certainly like, I really enjoyed it. My brother and I worked together at a restaurant and we, we loved it. It was fun. Like we still talk about like, that was yeah. really fun. I wouldn't mind picking up a shift here or there just because <laughs> it was fun. Um, but it sounds but, like some of the other jobs you had were also getting you on stages and helping yeah. you hone your craft, right? Like, yeah, because the reality is like, even though I enjoyed the the job at the restaurant, um, it was, a, it was a means to an end. It bought me time. It gave me two things. It gave me, um, uh, helped me earn some money, but it also gave me a lot of flexibility, which was important as a speaker because I knew that, um, there were times where, uh, it, well, uh, I'd say this, like, I remember talking with a friend who was interested in being a speaker and they worked on some banking job and it was a Monday through Friday, nine to five type gig. I said, it's just hard to be a speaker that way because it requires you to travel. It's going to require you to do a, you know, a Wednesday morning event that's, you know, five hours away, but then also maybe a, um, you know, a Monday afternoon event and like, you're going to burn through your vacation days so quick. So kind of the hodgepodge of stuff for me, um, gave me a lot of the freedom and flexibility to, there may be a month where I had a whole bunch of speaking gigs and I could, I just didn't sell as much that month on the security thing, or I didn't do as many other school assemblies and I didn't work as many shifts in the restaurant. And then the opposite was case where I may have a month that was really, really slow and I didn't have any speaking gigs. And so I was having to pick up some other stuff. And so it just gave me a lot of the freedom to like, again, kind of piece things together um, and make something collectively work, which I think is the case with, you know, more and more uh, careers today, just in general for people that, you know, historically it used to be, you, you got a job and you worked Monday through Friday, nine to five. And that was just, that was all you did, you know? And now it may be, I'm going to, I earn a little bit of money here and I earn a little bit of money here and earn a little bit of money here. And it collectively it makes it work. Uh, so I see more and more people doing that. Yeah. And for some people like speaking is, is just one, you know, spoke in that hub of what they may be doing to, to make a living. Yeah, the gig economy is definitely creating yeah, more opportunities so. for people. So I'm curious, though, Grant, as you made this shift mentally, even before you moved into it uh, as a full-time thing, like what was the, I, I mean, I think of challenge both like in mindset, but also talent, challenge around like, you know, like for you, obviously carving out time was the challenge. And so you came up with this, this remedy. But was there a mindset challenge around deciding that you were going to be you know, doing this, be an entrepreneur, like take on all this risk, you know, on your yeah. own. And what was that like? Of course, because there's, there's, um, with speaking and I think with not just speaking, but a lot of, uh, any entrepreneurial endeavor is there's massive ebbs and flows and, and entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. There are days where you're just like, man, we're, we're killing it. This is great. This is fun. This is so easy. Right. And days you're just like, well, 
we did it. We're, we're out. Uh, we did our best and it's not working anymore. And you're just, you're doing the best you can. I say that all the time to entrepreneurs. I said, we're, we are making it up as we go. We are doing the best we can with what we have in that moment. And so it reminds me a couple of years ago, I live in uh, the Nashville area and I was attending this entrepreneurial uh, breakfast with some friends. And there's a guy there that I knew who uh, he had been working. He had kind of a side hustle and he'd been working on it on the side for a little while. Uh, and the previous week he had quit his job. He was going all in on this side hustle. Built it up to a point where he's I'm making the leap. I'm going all in. And uh, I said, dude, it's your first week. You're all in on this. How, how do you feel? And I remember him saying like, I'm, I, I feel scared. I feel anxious. I feel worried. I feel excited. I feel thrilled. I feel terrified. I feel all of the above. Right. And I remember telling him, I said, I, I've been, I've been self-employed. I mean, at this at the time of this recording, I've been self-employed for 13, 14 years now. And I was like, that doesn't go away. <laughs> like all of those feelings you just described uh, don't go away. I haven't earned a paycheck from a company in well over a decade now. And I still worry like, I don't know, man, maybe I should go get a job at Walmart. Like sometimes that just seems simpler and cleaner. Uh, so I realized like that, that's, that's part of it, of the nerves, the anxiety, the worry, the fear, the insecurities, the doubt. Like when people say that they, they're dealing with that, I'm like, that's normal. You've got to be able to, to stomach and roll with the, the mental and emotional highs and lows because that's, that's part of what you're signing up for. Like you're not guaranteed success at all in, 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 in speaking and entrepreneurship and business and anything. Like we've had some level of success at this point, but it could all collapse tomorrow. Like who knows what the next 24 hours of life look like or how things could dramatically change or shift or pivot. And all of a sudden you're just like, well, crap, it's not, you know, what used to work uh, won't work. And I, I think regularly about the phrase, like what got you here won't get you there. And so, yes, we got to this point, but it doesn't guarantee anything at all. Like we could stay at this point forever or we could, the whole thing could collapse and fall apart. And who knows, right? And so I don't say that in any way to like, you know, scare people or freak people out or anything other than just like the reality is, is like you have to, you have to be able to stomach that and be able to understand the, the ebbs and flows of business and the highs and lows. And that's, that's part of what you're signing up for. So, you know, one of the best descriptions I had for this was uh, Scott Stratton run marketing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, talking about this. He's a million-dollar speaker. He's paid $25,000 to talk. And he says every fall, he looks ahead to the following year and there's like an empty calendar. Yeah. And every like October, he thinks, oh my God, should I get a job? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and it's that like, fun. I had a good run, wow. but it's done. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of, it was helpful in a way to hear that even someone at that caliber and that level of success, you know, with everything he's accomplished, still has that moment because you got to be constantly working at it and you don't really have control. Like, you know, you do your best. And I, I think you're right. That's a, uh, that's something that's a, there's a certain grit that mm -hmm. a speaker or an entrepreneur in general has to have. And you don't know if you have it until you get tested. Right. Right. Like you can't think about it and think, yeah, I think I'd be good at that. You know, I think I'd, yeah, I got the stomach. Yeah. But also, I think this also speaks to like why it's so important to network with other people who are doing, you know, similar things who are in your world. Uh, there's a, a few um, guys that I'm going to mastermind with. In fact, it was kind of funny. We were looking at um, each morning. I look at my, uh, you know, those Facebook memories that pop up where you can kind of look back in the past. And the very first time this group of guys and, and I met was five years ago today at the, the, this time of this recording. Um, and so that group of guys, and we talk on a daily basis, has been incredibly valuable because it, you're able to share the wins, you're able to share the highs, the lows, you're able to ask questions, you're able to express your doubts. And so there are times where it's like, hey, we just, something went really well. We just had our best revenue month ever. Like, and you want to be able to celebrate that and give someone a, you know, a virtual high five. And then there's days where you're like, 
you know, our, a key person just said that they're they're quitting, or um, we just did this big pro- project or launch or something, and it didn't go how we expected, or um, hey, I've just run into this situation. Any, any of you dealt with this, or how do you handle this? And so, having people around you that can say, hey, what you're running into, like the insecurities, the the doubts, the fears, like that's normal. You're good. You're fine. It helps just be reassuring to like, okay, all right. So I'm not alone in this. I know that other people have dealt with this and are dealing with this as well. And so I think it takes some of the pressure off of feeling like I'm, I am isolated. I am on the island. I am the only one that feels like this. I look at, I, I thumb through Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and everybody's got their act together and everybody's business is blowing up. And the reality is, is like behind the curtain, we're all doing our best with what we have at that moment. We're all trying to figure it out as we go. We're all making it up as we go. Uh, and some days we got it together and a lot of days we don't. And that, that's part of it. But surrounding yourself with other people who have, feel similar and have gone through similar things is, is incredibly, incredibly valuable and helpful. I'm so glad that you brought relationships and community into this conversation because I definitely wanted to ask you about that. And early on, you said that uh, when you were trying to figure out how to get started, you asked speakers mm-hmm. about their work. How did you know speakers at that point? Back- I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. It was, it was a lot of just... Um, um, email and stalking people. And um, yeah, there's a lot of finding people. I I would say this, one of the most valuable things that I think um, early on and even today is look for people who are doing something similar that you want to do and that you can model, right? Who are doing something similar, but doing it in a way that you want to do it, right? So, so for example, and you want to, and I would also say, look for people who are like a step or two ahead of you, not like light years ahead of you, right? So if, if I said, all right, I want to be a motivational speaker. So let's reach out to some motivation. Let's, uh, let's reach out to Tony Robbins. Let's see what Tony's up to these days. You know, like that's not going to work. Like we're, we're talking two totally different things. Uh, but you want to be focused on people who are, again, a, a step or two ahead of you that, that you look at their business and you have a realistic a sense of like, you know what, if I, if I do the work, I could, I could see doing that. I could see like being at that level. Uh, and I feel, I feel confident and realistic and self-aware enough to know like that, that that's possible. So reaching out to uh, a few people was really, really valuable for me early on, uh, just to ask some questions and, and try to, to, uh, to pick their brain type, type of thing. Now, I would give, um, can I give some, some, some thoughts on if you're going to do that? Because a lot of people on the other end, and I get a lot of the, you know, can I pick your brain type, uh, type emails and questions. Um, there's a few things that uh, work for you and some things that don't work for you, okay? So things that don't work for you is asking like these big, vague questions, right? So if you just email someone, if someone emails me and says, how do I become a speaker, right? Um, it's kind of this big thing where it's like, uh, there's, there's a lot to that, right? Um, uh, versus going to someone and, say, and asking a very specific question clear question. So if I came to you, if I knew, okay, Robbie's a networking expert. And so if I thought, uh, hey, Robbie, there's this one person I'm, I'm thinking about reaching out to. Um, and I was going to reach out to them via email. And here's what I was going to say. Uh, do you think that this would be a good approach? Like that's an easy thing for Robbie to respond to and be like, yeah, that totally, I would do that. Or actually you might tweak, you know, this word or this sentence or something. And it's easy to respond to versus saying like, hey, Robbie, how do I network with people? It's like, I, you know, there's a lot to that, you know? Um, so if you ask ask big, vague questions, you're going to get big, vague answers. So have specific things. The other thing that I would recommend for people is if you, when you reach out to people and you ask something specific, then go execute on that. 
like take action on that and then report back to them. Like I, 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 um, there's times where I'll give advice to people and I kind of wonder like, I don't know, did they go do it? Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Most of them probably didn't, you know, but if, if, if I, if someone comes to me and they say, Hey, um, can I get your two cents? Should I do a or B? I say, I, uh, you should probably do B. And then like a, a week later, a couple weeks later, a month later, whatever, they come back and said, Hey, uh, I followed through. I did B. Here's the results. Thanks for the help. I'm a lot more likely to want to help them because I know that they're going to do something with what I tell them. Uh, so so if someone gives you feedback or advice, like take action on it, like do something with it versus just be like, all right, and just filing it away and not doing anything with it. Uh, so a few little things like that can make a big difference to networking and connecting with people that, you know, you may look up to and admire and respect. There's like a zillion good things in there, but I want to underscore the reach out to someone who's a couple of years ahead of you, not light years. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they also remember yeah. where you are and can like, can, can uh, like highlight the steps <laughs> right. that they took as opposed to the person who's been doing it for 20 years that they don't remember like the first two. Yeah, uh, as which well. is another thing. Like, again, if you said, um, uh, if you said, okay, I want to be a motivational speaker, let's see what, without even emailing Tony Robbins, let's see what Tony Robbins is doing today. Well, the things that Tony Robbins or whoever is doing today is very different than what they did originally that got them from zero to one. And so I think about like in my own business today, what I'm doing today was not on my radar to be doing and would not be advisable or recommended to other people who are not at you know a similar stage. Like, don't worry about this. You need to focus on this, right? You need to be focusing on, on these other steps of the process. And so, um, yeah, that, it's exactly right to not necessarily look at where someone is today or the, or the things that they're doing today, but look at what they were doing. Like I, I like going back and paying attention to someone I admire and respect. What were they doing when they were at my level, when they were at this same spot or they ran into a similar challenge or they were considering this type of strategy? How did it necessarily, how does it apply to them today? Because they may be two di- different answers. And I also think the idea of, of really being thoughtful about how you reach out uh, was an, another really s- strong takeaway for me. And I heard you mention a moment ago that you're in this pure mastermind. And I, yeah. you know, this is a thing that I think a lot of people overlook, the power of of having these peers who I, I'm assuming are all striving. They're all like got their own businesses they're building. They can all relate to what you're doing. How How far into your business were you before you were able to pull that together? Was that something you started with or was that something you kind of grew into? No, it was definitely something early on. Um, so this was, a, a, yeah, literally five years ago where uh, the business was was doing okay. Um, we were doing, um, you know, we were doing uh, multiple six figures in revenue, but I knew like we had the potential to, to certainly do more. And so, um, so part of what I was doing was looking for, as me and kind of a, another guy, we were kind of talking, and we were kind of talking about this idea of, of mass. We knew of a couple other guys that would be on a, a short list that we might be interested in. Um, and so part of what we were looking for was um, people who um, had similar, um, who were at a similar stage of life. Like all these, that, all these guys I really admire and respect as, as entrepreneurs and their businesses, but um, also uh, awesome husbands, awesome fathers, and just like great dudes uh, that I want to I be around. I want my families to be around. Like, and since then, like, um, it was a group of guys that kind of came together, but our wives have all become good friends. Our wives have done trips and they have no real common connection other than their husbands happen to spend a lot of time together. So like that was, uh, was really impactful of looking for people who were, you know, just kind of similar phase and stage of life. Another thing that was really valuable was, 
um, uh, trying to look at people who you feel like, like I almost imagine almost like a, um, like if you're, uh, I, I don't really do any, um, uh, I don't do, a, I invest in mutual funds, but I don't do any like individual stock investing, but I kind of imagine like, all right, you're looking for like stocks that you feel like, all right, that stock's going somewhere, right? I don't know how to actually do that in the actual stock market, but I feel like um, I feel like I'm a fairly good judge of people. Where there's people you can tell, like, all right, that person's sharp, that person's going somewhere, and that's the type of person that I want to be connected with and aligned with, uh, and vice versa. Like, um, hopefully, I am that to you know to these other guys, um, and so I think that that was something that uh, was beneficial to all of us early on to feel like, all right, we're all. Um, we're all climbing the mountain together and, and this is a good opportunity for us to, we can probably do more uh, collectively better than we could on our own. Uh, so let's, and we're all like, we have similar business models, but, but different industries. So we're not, you know, not really competitors or anything. So it's a good chance to compare notes and, on that side of it. Um, but it has been, um, I would say my connections with those guys have been um, definitely towards the you know top two or three things that have given me any level of success. It is incredibly, incredibly valuable and like um, very, very deep lifelong friendships that I have with these guys because because of that. You know, and uh, like I mentioned, I live here in Nashville. Um, one of the guy, uh, two of the guys live here in Nashville. One of them lives in St. Louis. One of them lives in middle of nowhere, Kentucky. And uh, we still try to get together uh, once or twice a year to spend time in person. But we also uh, talk literally on a daily basis and texting. And, and uh, we use Voxer a lot and Slack. And um, but just in constant communication of like sharing, um, sharing what people are, are how things are going. Um, this morning uh, we do this almost every day, every other day or so. But one of the guys will post, "Hey, what's everybody doing today? What's your goals for the week? How's the week going for you? Anybody need anything?" that type of thing. Because again, part of being an entrepreneur, part of being self-employed is like, I, I work from home. I love working from home, but I'm, I'm by myself all day. Um, my wife is here. My daughters are here. But like in terms of a work environment, we have a team, but they're all virtual. I don't interact with anybody on, on the team or other entrepreneurs outside of this, this home office that I have. And so to other people who I know like they're all doing their thing too. So let's let's compare notes and what, what's everybody working on? Does anybody need anything? What are your goals for the week? How's the week going? How's the month been? You know, that sort of thing. Um, so those like those relationships with those people make a have made a massive, massive difference. I love that. And anyone listening in, you don't have to wait to making multiple six figures. So you can just find people who are like on your level. Um, right. such a good I mean, I think uh masterminding in general. Uh, whether it's facilitated or a pure mastermind is just so invaluable because it's a, it's a concentrated way of building relationships. So yeah. as you've been developing your business over the last, uh, gosh, you know, almost now decade and a half, then uh, you have met people. So many people have met you. Um, how do you not, okay, so you have your inner circle, mm -hmm. but how do you nurture and sustain connections with like your second and third tier out? The people yeah. You might see like once a year at a conference or someone that you worked with really a ton five years ago, but now you haven't really seen them in a while. Like what, yeah, what's your habits or philosophies around that? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, I, I wish I was more strategic at it. I know I have a few friends who are and like every six months, like clockwork, I'll get a text message from them or something just kind of like touching base and checking in. I was like, I need to do more of that. Um so I, I mean, I would say like um, a few simple things that come to mind. One is is I attend. I don't attend a ton, but a, a few conferences here and there where I know like peers are going to be that I'm going to see these people. And maybe people again, I only touch base or see, you know, once a year. Um, I have found that meeting people in person 
uh, completely changes the dynamic of a relationship, right? Because there may be people who um, I've texted with or I've emailed with or we've exchanged, you know, Facebook messages or we've talked on Zoom or whatever it may be. And like, yeah, we're, you know, friends or something. But if we meet at a conference or if they're, um, you know, I live in, in Nashville. So if people come through lunch or something, or uh, if I'm in their city speaking at something and we are able to connect, like, man, it just changes everything, being able to, to connect with people in person. So I've always been really intentional about um, about trying to connect with people in person. Uh, so I found that that makes a, makes a big difference. Uh, I always also just try to like be aware of, um, of what people are up to, what people are working on, where people are, you know, things projects people have. Uh, so there may be times where I may uh, not, again, a, as consistent or disciplined as, as I would like, but just texting people, hey, I just saw that you just you know did this thing. And so uh, congrats on that, or that's really cool, or you know that sort of thing. Um, trying to be aware and paying attention to, to those things. And I would also say that um, what we're doing right now, I have found for me, and I'm guessing for you too, the, uh, the podcast that I host uh, called The Speaker Lab has been really, really valuable for networking. Because there's a lot of people... Um, uh, that I know I've interviewed, and I'm, I'm sure you have too, that people who are great people who normally if I was like, hey, can you give me 45 minutes or an hour of your time to like pick your brain and talk and get to know you? They wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Not because they're mean or bad people or anything. They're just busy. They have a lot going on. Um, but they would take the time out of a, to do a podcast interview. So there's a lot of people I've been able to connect with that way. That's a good chance to, you know, to, to talk shop or just to connect. And, uh, you know, we, we've been recording here for X amount of minutes or whatever, but we also chatted for a few minutes before. We'll chat for a few minutes afterwards. And it's a good chance to build some of that, that connection or rapport with people that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise talked with. So um, yeah, those are a few things that come to mind. Yeah, it's too bad you didn't really have an answer for me. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're traveling, do you think about who do you know in Chicago when you're heading to Chicago? Yes. And then, so how do you track that? How do you know who do you know that lives in Chicago? Um, good question. Um, I, well, I would say this as a, as a caveat, um, cause I, when I was, I was speaking full time, I was doing about 70 gigs a year. And so, um, there's a really good chance I would be passing through some major market at some point. And so it's kind of just uh, aware. I'd, I'd say again, a lot of it, I just kind of keep in my own head, which again, probably isn't the, the best way to do that. But I'm kind of aware of, uh, people that may be in the area. Sometimes if I, if I'm in an area, um, uh, well, I'd say this, like as another caveat, I um, uh, I am a bit introverted in that I like being with people, but I also don't always like being with people. And I'm completely fine to sit in a hotel room by myself and I don't have to be around people all the time. So I'm good with that. So I would say like, um, if I go to you know a city, I'm not just like, hey, I just want to meet a bunch of strangers and hang out. Like I am not like that at all. Uh, my my wife is very similar. We say we're not antisocial; we are selectively social. In that, um, we may go to your party, but we want to know who's going to be there. We need the guest list first, and if it's basically all people that we know, we want to hang out with. Okay, we're in. But if it's just like we know one other person and a bunch of people we don't know, there's a good chance we're going to stay home in our pajamas and, and watch Netflix. So. Um, so I try to just be, again, aware of people who are are in areas where I want to be. I think the other thing is um, I, it does help. We, we moved to Nashville about five years ago, 
And there's people that regularly are passing through here for different conferences, events. Nashville you know, can be a touristy city at times. And so uh, people want to come here and visit. Um, so it's usually, I don't know, maybe once a month, every other month. I have friends that are passing through town. Uh, I have some friends that are uh, from Australia who are coming to Nashville for something unrelated. Uh, and we're doing breakfast next week. You know, So that type of thing, we're just paying attention of like, it's not, I would like to get to Australia uh, sometime soon, but it's not on my radar, but they're coming here. So I also being aware of when other people are, are passing through Nashville, especially like um, being friends with a bunch of speakers who, even if I'm not going to their market, there's a chance that they're coming here. There's a bunch of speakers I, I hang out with and see on a regular basis. You mentioned, you know, like Scott Stratton. Scott and I spoke at a conference here in Nashville a couple of weeks ago and had lunch at, uh, at Waffle House, his choice. Uh, so those type of things where... Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, like, you know... Uh, uh, I don't have anything on the books to go to Toronto to see Scott, but if he's coming here, it's a good chance for us to us to connect. So, um, yeah, just being aware, like as best as possible geographically, where where people are located is is important. What I what I think was even the clearest piece is that you set an intention to prioritize meeting up with people in person. Yeah, right. You you're like that is important to me. I will you know how you how it happens is sort of maybe not as structured, but you're like that is an intention I'm making. I want to get to know these people. I like these people, that kind of thing. I think some people, they don't even think about that. They don't yeah. value it. They don't put, they don't put intentionality behind it. So like the actions they take, don't get them that result where you're at least saying like to, to the world, like, Hey, I want this to be a thing and then look for opportunities and say yes to them. Yep. Um, one thing I do grant, uh, I, whenever I'm traveling, I try to organize a dinner or a brunch. Yeah. So that's sort of like a way to convene lots of people. And like, I, you know, I was in New York twice in the last few months. I live in Boston, Massachusetts. And um, I, yeah, there was one weekend where I did a dinner Saturday night and a brunch Sunday morning with like 10 people each. And it was yeah. like, it was awesome. <laughs> it was right, like, because like in those situations, you're also able to, if you're able to connect people with each other, then you're, you know, you're the connector, you're the host of the party that people you know, I, I met this person because of this person and like they, they credit, uh, you with the, you know, their introduction and meeting. Yeah. It's so powerful. So as we're wrapping up, my favorite question here is if, if we were to meet again a year from now and we are celebrating all of your wins, uh, what, what are we going to be celebrating? What are the things you're most looking forward to in the year ahead? Yeah, uh, we've got big ambitions for the year. Um, we've got a, a goal to, to grow by 75% over the previous year. So business-wise, I'm excited about that. But um, one of the things I talk a lot about when speaking and also even like with our team is that who you are is more important than what you do. Who you are is more important than what you do. And what I mean by that is, uh, Robbie, if we're great, um, uh, we're great uh, uh, like husbands, fathers, uh, friends, like we're wives, mothers, we're great in all these other uh, uh, ways, but like we, um, uh, excuse me, I, I said that backwards. Uh, if we're great entrepreneurs and speakers and, and yada, 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 but we drop the ball as, you know, as, as husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, that sort of thing. Like we're, we're just doing it wrong. So I, I love being an entrepreneur. I love being a speaker. I love the work that we get to do, but um, I, I love being a husband. I love being a father. I love my, my wife. I love my three girls. And um, so uh, I, I hope with each passing year, like I'm a great father to the, to my girls. I'm a great husband to my wife. Um, and I hope that our, you know, our relationships, um, and the, the, uh, 
like one thing that we really value as a family is like memories and moments and trips and experiences. And, um, so we try to like, we travel a decent amount. We take a lot of trips and we like to, you know, give our girls experiences. I know our girls have been on more planes than a lot of people have been on in their lifetime. And it's because we like, we really make it a big deal. Like we want, uh, we want to prioritize those type of things. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a really big deal to me is, is being a successful as a, as a husband and as a father. Yeah. Well, that's also like wonderful things to celebrate. That's, that's amazing. And so how can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, everything that we do is over at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. Like I mentioned, we have a, 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 a podcast by the same name, uh, the, uh, the Speaker Lab podcast. And then um, I know we touched on, but the new book uh, is called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. So um, yeah, anybody that's interested in, in speaking at all, there's uh, plenty of resources in the book and the podcast and the website and uh, all of the above. So everything can be found at thespeakerlab.com a ton of resources. We will have all those links uh, at the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Grant, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate it, man. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Grant. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share what resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 185. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show, as well as nearly 200 archived episodes on this Pinterest-inspired page. Reach out and let me know which are your favorite interviews. Do you have events on your horizon? Don't waste time and energy going to events without a strategy to actually meet people. Read my book, Croissants versus Bagels, strategic, effective, and inclusive networking at conferences so you feel prepared to make the most of this opportunity. You'll find the book and bonus material at croissantsvsbagels.com. You've already read it? Great. My book is very close to crossing 200 Amazon reviews. Would you add yours? Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode with Grant, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to read your review in Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week. We'll be interviewing another talent professional who has achieved success in their field or industry. I'll ask probing questions to get them to share untold stories about their leadership journey and how they build and sustain their professional network. Until then... Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.